Hello and welcome to Plotrists. This is Lane. This is Meg. And today we're reviewing The Bride of Larkspear by Sherry Thomas. This was published in 2012 and is the third and a half and final book in the Fitzhugh trilogy. So we've re- reviewed every book in this series and the third book, Tempting the Bride, regularly references a novel that the hero has written for the heroine. And this book is that novel. Now, I was very excited about this when we reviewed Tempting the Bride. You guys, it was not what I was expecting. (laughs) (laughs) This is um, an extremely intense and uh, like a true erotic novella. Now, it's only 70 pages or so. So it's really just a short story, but still. I was expecting erotica. I wasn't expecting this. Well, let's read the jacket. To save her family from the repercussions of scandal, a young woman reluctantly marries a man she despises. Now she faces her wedding night. What she doesn't know is that her gorgeous bridegroom has long been desperately in love with her, but he is too proud to expose his yearning to her scorn. Now that he has her in his bed and in his power, he is going to mount a determined and dangerous assault. It will be a battle fought with whispers, kisses, and the most intimate of touches. A war between a woman defending the fortress of her heart and a man determined to break down all barriers. Win or lose, each clash will sear with pleasure. Is the fortress her heart? I don't know. Is it? <laughs> Are you? Do you mean is the fortress her heart or her ass? Correct. <laughs> that is a hundred percent what I'm getting at, you guys. <laughs> we are mature adults who talk about romance novels twice a week. <laughs> I think it's her butt. Anyway, um, I will say that this summary is fine it also works for tempting the bride what a surprise Mm -hmm. i mean tempting the bride ended up being an amnesia novel that is true this is what he wishes tempting the bride had been yeah it's his fantasy of what tempting the bride would have been it's a little too predictive it 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 really mirrors tempting the bride like more than i think fiction would have right so we can dive into that obviously so let's talk about the random numbers okay as usual we generated a random number and this week it was 11 so my 11 word summary lady forced to marry enemy falls for his seduction and stories I like it. Also works for tempting the bride. Yep. (laughs) Okay, here's mine. Some brides are unwilling when forced to marry their childhood nemesis. Who would have thunk it? I know, so weird, right? So weird. All right. This is... The biggest trope for me is this is a thing excerpted from another book turned into its own book. Um, Exactly. I can think of plenty of examples in romance. However, the most standout one in my mind is the most recent. I don't think actually think it's the most recent anymore. The Rainbow Rowell series. Um, 
she wrote oh, a fangirl. Book. So fangirl is about a girl who writes fan fiction in college. Mm. And it's kind of about the story she's writing and what she hopes for these main characters, which is pretty clearly a Harry Potter allegory. And then the real life she's living outside of that. But then Rainbow Rowell, the author of the series, got so into the concept of this fan fiction that she wrote the fan fiction and published it as Carry On. And now uh. that's a series that's still continuing. Um, and it's like super, super, super popular. I've read some, but not all of it. Okay, interesting. But so like that's, it's super popular right now. So that's what I think of when I think of the story within a story becoming its own thing. Yeah, I don't think I've ever read the story within a story becoming its own thing before. But I can see where it, I, I'm sure, I know that it has happened many a time. Well, and it's like even Amelia and Emerson, Emerson's journals of their meeting got excerpted in another work. Like, I think it's on a smaller scale, very common. I think yeah, well, novel might be rarer. It, it makes me think about Spoiler Alert by Olivia Dade, um, which is a recent contemporary romance, which is about... It's, it's very much Game of Thrones, really, is what it's about. One of the actors from the show is writing fan fiction about the show, but then he also writes about his relationship and dealing with the relationship in the fan fiction. Oh, interesting. So mm -hmm. stories about things that are referenced in another story. Yeah, exactly. So that, yes. So with that said, we'll get into the rest of the trope, but I think we should talk, just mention up front that we both kind of view this as a writing exercise more than a story in and of itself, which also explains why it seems so prescient to the yeah. plot of Tempting the Bride. Like this is clearly Sherry Thomas outlined Bride of Larkspear and wrote the parts of it she'd need for Tempting the Bride and then kind of filled in the gaps because why not? Yeah, probably just fill in the gaps later. Um, because there aren't, there really aren't that many gaps, you know, like there, there are very few, not all of the novel appears in text in Tempting the Bride. There are some major portions of it that do, um, but there are parts, there are many parts that are outlined in Tempting the Bride. And I think she probably wanted to write it out so that she could excerpt parts of it. And then she just wrote the rest of it. And she was like, I'll, I'll write the rest of it. Like, why not? Um, and I just think that's kind of why I found the ending so shocking. <laughs> because everything yeah. but the end had sort of been referenced in yes. Tempting the Bride. And the ending had not been. It wasn't like nope. out of left field plot wise. It was out of left field sex wise. Well, and I, I do think it's interesting to read as as you say, as an exercise of this is David writing this. So what would David think was yes. like a dark fantasy? You know, so reading it in that way, I think is really interesting. That's 100% how I interpreted it. I think, honestly, this is the most male gazy romance novel I've ever read. And I did not hate that because I knew I hated it from a like, this was not my kink kind of way. Hate's the wrong word. But like, this was not my thing. But I loved it as a writing exercise. I thought it was so cool how she so clearly got inside this man's mind. Yes. I mean, that's the thing that we talk about Sherry Thomas so much is about how well she writes her characters. Mm hmm. And I think reading it from that perspective is really fascinating. So just to knock out the other tropes, it largely mirrors Tempting the Bride. Um, enemies to Lovers, Saved from Ruination. Yeah, and then there's, there's an animal who can tell who's a good person, but we will talk more about that animal. 
Yeah. But I mean, honestly, it's a sex book. It's a sex book. It's a sex scene, a sex scene, a sex scene, a parable, a sex scene, a sex scene, a sex scene. And not like we've called other romance novels sex books before because we felt like most of the character development got like squeezed into sex scenes and there wasn't much substance between them, but there like physically was book between them. Yeah. This is (laughs) just a sex book. This is like, so the book is like 75 pages. 65 of them are sex. Yep. And the rest are a parable and like a dog. And the main character thinking about sex. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm ca- I'm going to be honest. I'm counting that as the sex because. Oh, but like my point is, there are times in the parable and the dog that he's thinking about sex. <laughs> like that's true. Not that delineated. <laughs> it's very true. Um, I will say so. In if you listen to our episode on tempting the bride, we had a gentleman Jackson's get fit workout, which we were like, there's there's we don't know what the heck he did, but his body was like. He was an Adonis, basically. But we got an explanation of why his body was so hot in this one. So we do have a gentleman injections get fit workout for the perverted groom. And this is what it says. My years of sports at school and university. (laughs) I have several questions. Here's the first. Helen is 28. In tempting the bride, right? Mm-hmm. And so is David. They're, they're, they're exactly the same age. They're the same age because like he's your brother's best friend. Mm-hmm. So let's assume when do we think he wrote this? Within well, the last year? Because it was after he found out about the affair. It was definitely within the last year because he gives it to her in Ravishing the Heiress. But that doesn't mean he wrote it within the last year, but we know he wrote it after he found out that she started sleeping right. with. We're like fooling around with the married guy. Right. Oh, by the way, spoilers for every previous book in this series. Sorry, guys. <laughs> Duh. I mean, that should be obvious, but um, so he this wrote this relatively recently, so he's twenty-seven mm-hmm. when he writes this. So I'm just confused as to how the workouts he did six to ten years ago are still the thing maintaining his physique. Yeah. I mean, this is a fan, this is David's fantasy. So I could actually see this one much more than tempting the bride. (laughs) But anyway, we know that he rows. In this book, there are some things, something comes about him rowing. He was on the road. In past tense though, he rowed in college. This was still many, many years ago. It's true. It's true. Look, I'm not here to defend it. Like, I'm, I'm not mad he's ripped. I'm just letting you know, the workout to be, like, the hottest Victorian is to row in school and university. <laughs> Done. And then your body stays the same forever. In case you didn't know, you get to keep your high school and college body till the day you die. I wish. Oh, my God, Lane. All right. <laughs> so, so, like we said, this is a writing exercise. There's really no story. Okay. In Tempting the Bride, in Tempting the Bride, we posed ourselves the question, what would have happened? What would have happened if she didn't have amnesia? Like, would they have fallen in love? And I think this is David's answer to that question. Yeah. 
I don't buy it. <laughs> I'm not saying I buy it. I'm just saying okay. we did pose ourselves the question, what if she didn't lose her memory? <laughs> and this is an answer to that, which is that he ties her up and gives her the most exquisite pleasure of her life and writes her a parable and she chooses to be with him forever. I would say it goes beyond that though. Like, yes, there is no plot here, but he does tell her he's been into her for a long time, that he likes her, that he's always liked her, that he loves her. Like during these moments of sexual dominance, he is very vocal about having feelings for her pretty much from the beginning. That's true. In a way he isn't in his own book, which I'm not saying that's a flaw. Because I think it's absolutely true that he's more honest with her and his fantasy and his imaginings than he was capable of being in real life because he was so afraid of being hurt by her. But I think it was a, it's an interesting choice to look at it as we talk, we're going to talk about this whole episode, like a writing exercise, because that's the best way to view this book. Like, this is what he imagines. It's not just that he sexes her into being into him. It's that he admits things and opens himself up to her and she responds in kind and well, it's like he didn't learn the lesson from his own book in tempting the bride he, he there is a level of emotional intimacy here that mirrors their physical intimacy or at the very least emotional vulnerability yes and i mean you the other thing you have to imagine is okay is he he's written this he's given it to her is he hoping that this book will stand in for actual conversations that he's supposed to have? And it's like, that's the thing you can't answer. Cause we know as readers, she never really read it mm-hmm. beyond some of the sexy bits until after her amnesia. Right. So like, I don't know because on the one hand you're told to know he knows her so well he even calls her out on not totally reading it at one point, I believe, if I'm recalling correctly. Yeah. So, I don't know. Like, I get that he gave her what he viewed as his heart bound up in string on paper. But if he knows she's never going to engage with it, or at the very least, if she does, she's going to view it as a joke. Is that really the same thing as being vulnerable? I mean, that's that's a great question. I think it fits with his character and and again this is where I'm like wow if I'm reading this as David wrote it the whole thing makes total sense yeah no like I enjoyed this as a character study a lot and it gave gave me a new appreciation for tempting the bride yes did it work as well for me as erotica no and we'll get there Okay. I kind of wish there'd been less of this book in Tempting the Bride, though. Yeah, I agree. I would say, this is, like Meg said, 70, 75 pages. Probably 10 to 15 of those, if not more, are actually in Tempting the Bride. I mean, I think it's it's really the, the whole parable. So he writes a parable. The first scene, like the first chapter. The first chapter is in there. Well, the first few paragraphs yeah um and then the parable and then they refer to some of the other things that happen Mm -hmm. but i mean 
I thought I thought for me what was the most interesting was that there's this there's this parable of the basically is that he he needs to puncture his pride. I'm not gonna ruin this is the one I guess thing that I'm not gonna spoil for anyone. <laughs> Even though it was already in a book we've reviewed. Yeah. But I mean it's very sweet, you know, it's a very sweet story. But it's the major it's the it's the intimate heart of this book. And it appeared in both. It appeared in both. And as a reader, it was long enough that I was like, oh, God, I'm reading this again. Yes. But secondary factor, I liked that in this, The Bride of Larkspear, when she asks him what happens to the heroine in that story, he has an answer. Mm-hmm. And it's clearly not something he's just made up on the spot. Right. And I think this book tells you in that one sequence so much more about his intentions as a writer, not just of this smutty story, but of his children's books of his, like, I thought it was a really interesting insight to his character that, and to Sherry Thomas's view of what makes an author that she, she had answers to these non-textual questions. Mm -hmm. Well, and I mean, if you think about it, this book is like an answer to those non-textual questions. It's a textual answer to a non-textual question, but let's not split hairs here. <laughs> <laughs> so one, we keep talking about how this book is clearly David's perspective. And I think one of the most interesting things about this book for me, and potentially one of the things that made me like it less as a piece of erotica, is that I think this is, I said this is the most male gazy romance novel I've ever read. This is very much like male desire, David's biggest fantasy. And I think the easiest way to shorthand that is his fixation on anal. Yep. And on her being enthusiastically into anal. Yeah. I mean, okay, so we, I think we've also skipped one minor thing. Um, like just, just to let you know, like, yes, it's all David, but it's all from his perspective. This book is written first person, present tense from the viewpoint of Larkspear, Lord Larkspear, mm-hmm. who is obviously David. But yeah, but I mean, I think that's, that's the thing too. It's like, we don't, we never get her perspective on it. Which, again, gives us insight into to David, but it really leaves Helena as a cipher for this entire book. And we, we talked about how in Tempting the Bride, she doesn't get a lot of character development. And this doesn't add at all to that either. So, I don't think that's why this exists, but I completely agree. No, I mean, I, yeah, this doesn't exist to give Helena any <laughs> agency. This is this is Helena as David's greatest fantasy. Yeah, and I think it's interesting. The only times I feel like Sherry Thomas, the only time I feel like Sherry Thomas deviated from really being in David's mindset about this whole book being his biggest fantasy is when she tried too much to mirror tempting the bride in a way that wasn't in the text. Like to me, the one scene that really took me out of this. So this whole book is like, they get married. He tries to sex her into being with him. She's very afraid of their emotional connection. So she decides to peace out for some time. 
I won't spoil this book or why she does that or whatever. Spoiler alert, they end up together. It's still a romance novel. But I thought that was really weird. Yes. That, like, in his biggest fantasy, she still leaves. She still leaves, and I was like, yeah. And, and to me, that was the one moment where I was like, mm, I think you're mirroring the book you already wrote more than you're trying much. to actually write this character exercise of his desire. Agreed. Agreed. I agree with you 100%. But I, I do, it is interesting because we sort of jokingly say that Sherry Thomas doesn't really write, she doesn't write the hot sex or really explicit sex. Well, even, like, our favorite series of hers, like, there's a couple of really good kisses, and we're like, where's, okay, I guess we're going to have to be satisfied with this. Yeah, well, and I mean, they, they, in that series, so we're talking about the Lady Sherlock series, they explicit, they, they refer, you know, to how he's, like, kind of kinky or whatever, you know, he's a pervert or whatever. And, but we don't know what the heck he did, so who knows if he's actually a pervert or if it's just Victorian perversion, you know? (laughs) <laughs> he had to cover up the chair legs or whatever <laughs> but in this book I was like oh I guess she just has to channel a male she has to write from a male perspective and then she can just write all the sex she wants you know <laughs> I thought it was interesting to look at it from that perspective clearly she doesn't lack the ability to write erotica exactly it's interesting to me that this book has, like, no substance. I mean, apparently that's the male perspective, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, I have one more general question. Yeah. So, in Tempting the Bride, one of the plot devices used to give him character development is his fathering of a child with disabilities who interacts with the world in an unconventional way. And in this book, (laughs) the main character has a three-legged dog (laughs) that interacts (laughs) with the world in an unconventional way. So my question is, in this Did he make his child a three-legged dog? I mean, I don't want to say yes, but yes, he did. (laughs) Because the whole book is about, like, he's like, read the parable within the parable. Read about the man who punctures his pride to save her. Okay, but if I had been Helena reading this, I would have been like, did you make your child a three-legged dog? We need to talk about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but he would have been like, no, it's it's Mr. Shellington or whatever the heck his stupid turtle's name was. It wasn't Mr. Shellington. <laughs> <laughs> it was definitely his kid, and I have be. some concerns. I, I know. Well, and I mean, I on the one hand, it's like, okay, I, did I think she Helena knew that he had a, a daughter. But I don't think Helen knew that his daughter was eccentric, as they might have said in Victorian era, you know. So Yeah, I'm not sure. Yeah, I'm I'm Do pretty you think sure that's actually ever dealt with. 
Like no. you saw her post amnesia, learning about his daughter, and then learning his daughter was eccentric. Right. But you never know if Helena pre losing her memory. I think she knew, knew about his daughter. I she think knew they about his daughter about for it. sure, yeah. but I don't know if she knew pre. No, I don't think so because she kind of talks about how she's she's cooped up on the estate or something like that. But she doesn't realize, I think, why. Okay. So I know this is, I'm giving David a lot of credit here, but he give this, he gives us the Helena before she knows. And I, you know, so I think he's like, I have to do something. But yeah, I mean, still three legged dog is like. Mm-hmm. A three legged dog with intimacy issues. <laughs> Is yeah. how he puts his daughter into yeah. this story. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Once again, this is not a criticism of Sherry Thomas. And it's honestly something I can see David the character doing. Yeah. I'm a little shocked that Helena the character didn't call him out on it. <laughs> yeah. It's true. Although she was very familiar with him in his guise of the Beatrix Potter doppelganger. <laughs> So maybe she's like, hey, you know, <laughs> anthropomorphic animals <sighs> are a thing. Did anything in this book offend you? I mean, was I personally offended? No. That said, going into it, you have to know that this is the story of a woman who doesn't want to marry someone and who's going through with the wedding night because it's her duty. She's not enthusiastically consenting to anything. Until the very there's a lot of stuff that he does to her without her explicit permission. Mm-hmm. And she, of course, doesn't object. And like we said, the framework for this is his deepest, darkest desires. So I think if you go in with that framework... <laughs> I think the only thing you could, if you have that mindset, the one thing you could be a little offended by is his failure to complexly imagine her. <laughs> <I'm>, <laughs> like, yeah. until the point that. of the parable, like, the assuming your dream woman is going to be into everything sexually you're into, I could look past. She's just an object in this text. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I I do think it's interesting in the beginning, um, in the first the first scenes where she's totally not she's married to a man she doesn't want to be married to, uh, and he is determined to as we have said sex her into loving him right yeah and so she doesn't want to respond physically to what he's making her feel basically. What I thought was interesting was he mirrors their contentious conversation in this book from Tempting the Bride. So he's like, oh, like, I don't know. He, he gets undressed and he's like super hot. And she's like, oh, trying to make me, you know, do you really think that your body's going to make me want you or something like that? And he's like, fine, I'll blindfold you for my modesty. And she's like, good, makes it easier to, to imagine another man. <laughs> so... I, I do think he faithfully represented how she might have reacted in that situation, which I thought was really interesting. Yeah. 
anything I want to nitpick here about how like physiological reactions are not the same thing as consent, like totally valid points. And like, we could delve into it in length, but like the bottom line is this book is a man's fantasy. He wants right. to read and her it, physiological responses as representative of her emotional responses. So he does, and he's right, because this is a fantasy novel. Because he her, wrote it, yeah. Right, like, yes, it's reductive. And you could view that as offensive. But it is what it is. Yeah, yeah. But and I, I, mean, I, I, know, I know we're giving a lot of credit here, but uh, again, we read this I don't think it's misplaced. Right. We're reading this more as a writing exercise of this is David writing this. And so it's interesting to read from that perspective. If I was reading, if I just read this on its own, I'd be like, hmm, not so sure I'm into this, you know. So, so sexiness, Lane, was this book sexy? Okay. We've talked before how I check out on sex scenes in some ways faster than you do. If I'm just not into the people in them. Yes. So this has like no plot. <laughs> These characters are not developed outside of what you come into in your head from tempting the bride. And the kink here is not my kink. Like reluctance, sexing someone into consenting, anal in general, just like not the things that I'm usually really into in my romance novels writ large that said if you treat this as a writing exercise especially from an author who i've always viewed as a little more fade to black these were well-written sex scenes with excellent pacing did not shy away from explicitness and didn't make it explicit in a flowery prosy fear of using anatomical terminology that can usually annoy me. Yeah, I agree. I would say if you're into, if you're, so this isn't like, I would not say that this is like out there kink. No, no, no. So if you're into like mild bondage, like mild DS and anal, then you will probably be really into this book. I, I, I don't I don't want to knock it. This isn't not sexy in the sense of I'm mad they faded to black or I thought the character was immature and distracting or honestly, it's not my thing. I don't know that it would have been Helena's thing. I don't know that it's Sherry's thing. Like, I think this really was a character study and this is David's thing. And this is, this is David's thing. But I even... I even think this not this is not necessarily David's thing. This is so at the very beginning of the book, there's a foreword, and we find out in Tempting the Bride that um, Helena is actually a virgin. She's never actually had penetrative sex. Right. So by virgin, I mean no penis and vagina action. Um. And in this that book, hand gesture that went along with it. Sometimes I'm sad we don't do video. <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> um, FYI, guys, it was not the hand gesture you're imagining. <laughs> it's not. It wasn't that literal. <laughs> okay. But in this book, she he's assuming that she did because he thinks that she did. And so mm-hmm. in my mind, I don't necessarily think that David is like super into anal. 
but he's into like claiming her in a way no one else has. Oh, so that's my interpretation. Well, and like opening up something that society views as forbidden. That too. I still think to write this, you'd have to at least be kind of into anal. Oh, I think he's not. <laughs> he would not be averse. He's not anal averse. <laughs> <laughs> but I think the fantasy is less about this specific act and more about you know, being the one and only for Helena. Yeah. I think you are right that that's what Sherry Thomas was doing. I'm not sure that's what David was doing. (laughs) I love that you made the distinction between Sherry Thomas and David because it makes so much sense. I love it. (laughs) I like, I, I stand by that. In this moment, the more I'm thinking about it, I think you're totally right that that's what Cherry Thomas was doing. I don't think that's what David was doing. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, <laughs> I, so would I recommend this book? Honestly, I would recommend this book if you read and enjoyed Tempting the Bride. I Absolutely. actually highly recommend this book because you get a lot of David in Tempting the Bride and you get even more of his, you know, psyche in this one. And I think if you like Sherry Thomas and have read Tempting the Bride, this is just a really interesting insight into her writing process as an author. And because it's so short, it's worth it. Yes. Um, would I read this out of context? Probably not. Probably but I don't think this can be viewed out of context. So. Yeah, I, I don't think, I honestly don't think anyone, I'm probably wrong. There's probably someone out there who's like, ooh, sexy book. I'm going to buy it. But I think for most people, they read Tempting the Bride. And at the very end, it's like, if you'd like to read The Bride of Larkspear, which is the erotic novella that David wrote, it's available online. And I was like, okay, let me find it. You know? <laughs> I'm glad you did. I'm glad I read this. Yes, I am a giant Sherry Thomas stan. So take that as you will. But I'm really glad I read this. Yes, agreed. It is very different than anything else I've ever read by her and super insightful. Absolutely. So thank you guys so much for listening. We'd love it if you would rate, review, subscribe, and check us out around the internet at Plot Trists on Instagram or on Goodreads slash Plot Trists.